Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey, everybody. This is Jim. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. I'm glad you're here. This episode is being released on the evening of January the 31st, which would make it the last episode of the first month of the new year. Hope you're doing well, and this month has really flown by. And I just want to add here, uh, before we continue, that I've been spending the last, I would say, five or six weeks using ChatGPT just about every day, running it through the paces, uh, trying to understand its strengths, weaknesses. And if you're not familiar with ChatGPT or you've never heard of it before, you heard a little bit about it, if you just go ahead and do a search on it, you'll find that there's plenty of information out there. So, and really is amazing what it's capable of doing, I have to say that. And when I started using it, I thought to myself, I don't wanna start using this um, with any type of preconceived ideas or opinions. I don't wanna look at it as a job killer. I know some people are looking at it exclusively like that, and you know, it may turn out to be, I don't know. But I can only go by the past when new technologies, even the super disruptive kind, changed industries completely. We can look at things like newspapers today and say that, why are there still newspapers around when people just read the news online or on their phone or someplace like that? People thought that uh, the digital world would destroy the print world. Well, there's still magazines around. There's just not as many of them. There's still newspapers around. They're just not as large as they used to be. And so a lot of times when we talk about the death of an industry, it, we're really just talking about it no longer being the power player that it once was. And a lot of people believe that chat GPT can do that. Now, if you don't know what it is and you just did a quick search on it, what can chat chat GPT do? Here's one of the things that comes up first. It says, Chat GPT can write emails and essays, poetry. It can answer questions or generate lines of code based on a prompt. This could be used to develop virtual assistants or quickly answer customer queries. And then it goes into more information and asks the question, will it steal our jobs? Now, what's interesting, what I did was I took pieces of text that I had written and I asked it to rewrite the text in a conversational friendly tone to see what it would create. And within seconds, it gave me back some uh, pretty good output. And then I asked it to explain or describe something the way a professional chef would. The perfect uh, dish of calamari, for example, I think was one of the things that I wrote in there because I have a customer in the restaurant industry and it described it in words that it would have taken me quite a while to put output that matched that just off the top of my head to create that. And so if I was a writer, I think at this point, I would be looking at a chat GPT as something to really speed up my workflow. However, we're just in the beginning days of it. It can write code. It can do some truly amazing things. And so is it a potential job killer? Well, I think like other types of technology, I think it will definitely eliminate some of the opportunities for maybe making more money. You know, it's just like anything else. When we have a lot of something, the value of that something 
does the price go up or does the price go down? Right. The more of anything we have, the less value it has in the marketplace, all other things being equal. And so I've seen stories here. For example, the New York Post from two days ago wrote chat GPT can make these jobs obsolete. And then it says in quotes, the wolf is at the door. Gizmodo magazine says Amazon warns employees to beware of chat GPT. Time magazine says what chat GPT could mean for the metaverse. And it just goes on and on. Washington Post, Google and Meta moved cautiously on AI and then came OpenAIs. That's a company, uh, chat GPT. So some people ask, well, what does GPT stand for? We know what chat means. And I looked it up because I didn't even know. It stands for G-U-I-D, GID partition table, GID partition table, or do they pronounce that guide? I don't know. I'll have to look that up. Um, but but anyway, chat GPT is just out in its first initial st stages. I guess you could call it kind of like the beta release of it. And what it could do is really, really impressive. And so I can only imagine what it will be like 12 months from now, 24 months from now. I don't know if they're going to charge for it. I don't know if, uh, let me put it this way. Having worked with it daily now for approximately six weeks, maybe a little less, I can say that it's completely changed the way I interact with the way I used to search. Because I no longer have to scroll through Lots and lots of information if I'm getting good information just by simply asking a question in a chatbot type of situation. Just you know, It just allows you to type in your question and you can have it create output based on certain styles or certain... In other words, you, the, the output can be as impressive as the parameters that you put into your question. So for example... If you were writing a testimonial and you only had a small space to put it in, you can ask it for a two-sentence testimonial about a certain thing, and it would write it out for you. So from a writer's perspective, it's solid gold. But then again, will it make um, the average freelancing uh, writer's job more difficult? I would, I would think so. I would think so. So I know that... Back in 1987, in the world of graphic design that I was just walking into at the time, in when we used to have the offline agencies we, would rule the landscape. There were no online worlds then that, uh, to speak of. But I remember them just bringing in the first computers into that industry. Even though the computers were already out in college and everything, they weren't standard as far as in the advertising world at the time. Maybe there'd be one or two in each in each agency, but the graphic people at the time said, "Well, you can't rely on a computer, and the computer has limitations, and we can still do things by hand, and we can do them faster. What happens if the computer breaks? Then what are you going to do? You know, then you know at least we have all these tools. We can still get the job done. We can get still get things off to the printer. And each one of those um, rebuttals." to the introduction to computers in the agency world became a non-issue eventually. What happens if your computer crashes? You can go out and get another one in a few hours. <laughs> you know, If you live in a place that's somewhat populated. 
And even if you don't, you can probably have one delivered, get it by from Amazon in a quick period of time. And if you're doing it for a business, you already know that you need to have some kind of backup. So maybe you have a few desktops or a few laptops or a few, you know, whatever. It's not like you're locked into just one thing. And so, yeah, I do see that it's going to be a challenge for some people. But one of the things that, and this is the nice thing about being an entrepreneur, is it allows you to look at the lay of the land as it's playing out at any given point in time and make some adjustments. And that's one of the things I love about um, the path that I chose. Sometimes I remember looking back when I was in my 20s and thinking, I wish I would have just went to work for this big corporation somewhere. I would have been set with my health insurance and set with my income and that I could possibly work for that place for years and years and years, have a nice retirement. That was the old school, the old model way of thinking. I was exposed to that as I was growing up. That's what I was, uh, that's what I saw as the uh, like kind of having a golden parachute through your life, but things changed so rapidly. And I began to realize that these big companies, they don't have any loyalty towards their employees. And a lot of times, if the employee was there for too long, making too much money, that's the, that goes right along with too long, then they would simply replace them so that down the road, they wouldn't have to pay them all, this, all these benefits for years to come. And that was true in just about every industry. They started releasing people before they could get the maximum maximum benefits available to them. So when companies started showing, let's say, less loyalty to their employees, then the reverse began to happen until it became the norm. Today, almost no one trusts or relies upon the companies they work for. And companies have learned not to rely on their employees being with them for the long haul. I, a cousin of mine went to work, I believe she was 18 years old at the time, in, uh, where she lives up in New Jersey, and she went to work for the uh, legal system there in the state, and she stayed there and retired there. And you just don't see that anymore. I think she was in one of the last generations, she's just a few years younger than me, that had the opportunity to do that, where... The system took care of the person, and the person was loyal to the system. Anyway, moving on, um, before we go any further, today's podcast episode is brought to you by the Digital Strategist Newsletter. This is volume two of my monthly newsletter. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com and one-to-many-system.com. This is the home of my coaching program. The program is designed to help you build a complete marketing and sales system for your specific business type. And this includes having a new conversion-focused website with your built-in lead generation system. The entire program is available right now at one-to-many-system.com. Okay, so all of that about chat GPT, I put it out there. I didn't want to not talk about it, especially being that I was so involved with it. And, you know, I look at it like this every once in a while, you have to do um, what's called a SWOT analysis of the marketplace that you're in, of the business climate that you're in, and then you make changes accordingly. This is one of the most difficult things for people to do because most people don't want to change. And it's not that I love change. I've just learned that 
one of two things are going to happen when things begin to change. Either I'm going to adjust or I'm going to be forced to adjust in order to survive. And to get ahead of it and to make changes ahead of time is just so much easier and involves so much less stress in your life that it's a no-brainer. After I've gone through these cycles several times that I've learned when you see change coming, just go ahead and... I think I almost whistled when I said change there. When you when you see change coming, just go ahead and get ahead of it. And don't get caught in this place where you're sad because people aren't interested in this and that's what you're interested in and people aren't buying that and that's what you were most comfortable selling. Just recognize if you have to grieve any type of loss, do it for a, a few minutes. Do it for a day if you have to. If you have to do it for a whole week, go ahead. But then put all that behind you and begin to adjust to the time that you're entering into. So every once in a while, I do a SWOT analysis. That's S-W-O-T. S stands for strengths. W stands for weaknesses. O stands for opportunities. And T stands for threats. And a SWOT analysis is usually present in any type of business plan, especially if you want to raise capital from outside investors you're going to present some kind of SWOT analysis so they can understand what the risks are, what the advantages of this plan is. And, and that's what I do in my own business. And I've done this over and over again over the years. Now I do it consciously. But I look at what's happening. Now, as we were wrapping up 2022, getting ready to enter into the new year, I had done a SWOT analysis of what was happening in the field back in uh, right around November. And then just a few days ago, I thought, you know, it's time to do another one because now I have more information now in January than I had back in November. And I noticed that a lot of my friends in in my industry have also made some pretty significant changes. And these are people who are in the marketing world. Now, I'm almost... I don't know if I'm going to tell you about the specific types of businesses that they're getting away from. The reason why I hate to do that sometimes and the reason why I find it's easier to be more general in talking about some of these things is because if you're trying to build the very thing that they're trying to get out of and you're in a place where your, your confidence isn't there yet, then I want to be the last person to try and talk you out of doing something that you believe in. Because the truth of the matter is simply this, that I remember there have been times in my own entrepreneurial journey when I was doing poorly at something where others around me seemed to just be, you know, hitting home runs, where I was just surviving while it seemed like the higher percentage of the people that were doing something the same or similar were thriving. And that's very frustrating when you're in a place where it feels like you're one of the few people who are struggling to make this thing work. But I've also been in the opposite place where I was experienced tremendous success in my, in my own thing while the people around me who were trying to do something the same or similar were failing miserably. And so I know what it's like to be an outlier in both instances and in both types of situations. The worst one and the most frustrating one, I think, is 
when everybody's doing well except for a handful of people and you happen to be in that handful of people. The other side of the situation when you're doing really well when most of the people are closing up shop and those types of situations, I find that it's just easier just to be thankful and grateful that you have what you have and that you're doing well and not to try and be overly scientific about, well, what am I doing that the other people aren't doing? So I I say all that because at the end of the day, if it's in your heart to do something and someone comes along and tells you you shouldn't be doing that because it's probably going to flop, then you really have to understand how you as an individual are wired on the inside. Because if people like if a statement like that can crush you or put you into a uh, into a depression, a state of depression, then you have to be guarded going forward that when people start talking about those kinds of things, you have to pull the plug on them. Will that mean, you know, cut them off in the conversation or stop watching the video or stop listening to the podcast, stop reading the article, whatever it is, if that's you. Now, if you're used to dealing with, you know, the negatives as well as the positives, maybe you can take that information in and not be bothered by it. But I know there's people in both cases, which leads me a little bit maybe gun shy when it comes to talking about certain things and saying, hey, you know what, if I were starting out today, I would never do this. I'll, t- I'll tell it to people one on one, to people that have some experience, to people who are in the industry. But I don't want to just blanket it out there in a in a podcast episode. So the the bottom line will be this. There will be people succeeding and doing really well, no matter how bad the economy gets. Let's focus on that. Let's not focus on the fact that, you know, in a, in a bad economy, for example, I think in the Great Depression, was it 25 people? Or 25 people. 25% of the people were out of work. Was it something like that at, at a certain point? I think it was. I think it was around 25%. And so that means 75% of the people that are working. But that 25% filled up the the media at the time. The newspapers were focused on it. You could drive down the street and see in any city. There would be uh, lines of people standing out for food. There was a lot of homelessness and all of that. But there were also people who got rich during that period of time. And so I think that what has to happen at the end of the day is when you look at the situation kind of anal- analytically, you hate to just say, oh, it all comes down to luck. No, I, I believe it comes down to there are certain elements that we can't directly control, but we can be better prepared or we can be worse prepared. So if we're in an industry and it appears to be dying in our personal experience where we live, then it really doesn't matter if 100 other people are saying online that it's doing great where they are. We have to adjust to the terrain that we find ourselves on individually. You know, in any war, it's made up of many battles. And it's one thing like if if the, the unit is doing good in another battle in another location, but your unit is struggling where you are. So you have to adapt to where you are also. All the other information, as nice as it is, still doesn't override the fact that this is what you had to deal with in your individual situation. Okay, that was pretty wordy, but I'm going to keep on going on. Let's look at the strengths that's that we have in the digital marketplace, right? There's strengths 
that are here right now today if we look at selling digital products and services in 2023. It is low cost setup, no matter how you look at it compared to other business types. It doesn't cost a lot of money to maintain an online store. We don't have to worry about the costs that other businesses do renting uh, physical space and stocking inventory or paying for utilities. In addition to that, digital products have a very low cost of production. So once we create the product, we can sell it to an unlimited number of customers without incurring that additional cost. The other thing is in 2023, if you're in the digital space, think about the reach that you have. I know sometimes it feels like, well, we really don't have the kind of reach that we're looking for. We're not attracting the kind of people, but the potential hasn't changed. The fact that you haven't reached the people yet doesn't mean that they are unreachable, right? We have a global reach and that allows us to do business, business with other people in a wider audience than any traditional uh, brick and mortar business has the ability to do. And so those are all pluses. Those are all strengths as, as we continue into the new year. You know, we can sell our products, we can sell our services to customers all over the world because they're digital in nature. And so we're always going to have opportunities for growth out there, regardless of how anything is. Because even if you're selling, even if you live in a country where the economy is extra bad as compared to the rest of the world. Because you have that reach in the digital space, you can still do business with people in other countries maybe that aren't quite as hard hit as they are in your country. The other thing is the convenience factor is not going anywhere. Online marketplaces will always offer customers that convenience of shopping from wherever they are, the comfort of their home or um, you know, on a phone, it's just easier than ever to purchase products and services whenever you need them. Other things like cost efficiency, just think about selling digital products or services as opposed to the traditional retail model or even the traditional service model because you don't have to invest in the physical inventory. And even the tools, the physical tools, you look at digital tools, software products, applications, those are still cost a fraction of what their physical counterparts cost. On top of that, we have automation. The automation is getting better all the time, which means that if you're just a, an individual business owner trying to do everything yourself, or you're a, um, you know, there's two of you, husband and wife or a couple, just remember that the automation makes it possible for the one or two of you to not only improve your workflow on all of your processes, but it gives you the ability to do things that in the past would have required for you to hire additional people. Enter in chat GPT, right? We were just talking about that. Now people will say, well, what about the output or strikes against AI generated content? I have to tell you that I seriously doubt um, the ability going forward. Maybe right now an AI can spot another AI, maybe, right? Because it is true that if you ask the same question five or six times, that AI is going to come out with probably a limited number of responses. I know about ChatGPT, unless I ask it to change the wording or the style in which it's writing, it will just come out with a, a general type of 
information. So if I just cut and paste that in my website, then yeah, I'm sure that Google can tell that it is AI generated. However, if I ask for specific things with specific parameters that are unusual, maybe I can get a true original piece of content that will remain original as someone comes behind me and asks the very same question in the very same way. Okay, moving on. We have the data, we have the analytics. Digital marketplaces allow you to, whether it's your own WordPress-based website or whether you're on a place like an Etsy or an eBay or an Udemy, wherever you are, the digital marketplaces allow you to track the data. You can see the analytics so that you can understand your customer's behavior. You can understand their preferences, which can be used to improve your products, improve your services, and adjust your marketing strategies on the fly as things begin to change. And so all of these strengths that I mentioned right here in the digital space are expected to improve over the next few years, not go in the other direction. So which means that there will be even more opportunities for businesses to grow and succeed if they're in the digital marketplace. So those are the strengths. But what about the weaknesses? One of the weaknesses which people talk quite a bit about is the fact that a lot of the markets are overcrowded. Just last week when I was talking about some of these other platforms like Etsy, I remember going onto YouTube and watching a few Etsy videos. And then the next thing I know, my entire screen was filled with people basically talking about how to succeed on Etsy. And I thought to myself, are these people really here to teach people how to succeed at Etsy? Is that their business model? Or is their real business model making money by having stores on Etsy? Or is Etsy really just too much work and they want to become an influencer and a YouTuber and so they used one opportunity to open the door for another? You know, I really don't know. I really can't say. Maybe a little bit of all of the above. But I will say this, that with the ease of setting up an online store, do you know how many tools that are available right now if you want to set up your own online store? There's an increasing number of sellers in all of the digital marketplaces, which makes it more difficult for businesses to stand out and attract customers. And so more of a focus has to be put on things like digital marketing because the space is so crowded. What space am I talking about? Just about all of them. The other thing is quality control. Now remember, we're talking about weaknesses now. What are the weaknesses in the digital market as we are looking at it in 2023? Um, some of the other things that I'm talking with other people, I never really gave much thought, but... Quality control is an issue, especially when people who are used to purchasing products such as yours, if you have a high quality product, but most of the people selling in your marketplace produce low quality products, then your product by association can be lumped in with the junk products and can suffer for it. Think about used cars as a great example of this. For years, the used car salesman had a negative reputation. And it's very easy to understand why, because there were quite a few unscrupulous people selling used cars. However, a few of my friends were used car salesmen, and they didn't have the same reputation that is attached to that label. They were honest, they were open, they were straightforward, and they did their very best to fit the individual in with the type of vehicle that they were capable of purchasing, something that fit their budget. 
And so, yeah, I mean, you can be, you can suffer just by being associated with certain groups or certain industries. Someone can look at you and say, oh, he's just another one of those, or she's just another one of those. Some people look at the self-improvement niche as an example, and they just think that those people are in there just preying off of the insecurities of the multitudes. They're making money hand over fist, and they really don't help anybody. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with that, but I'm just saying that's just an example of being lumped in a certain group. Some people look at things like cybersecurity also as being a risk or a weakness. And as far as the marketplaces go, the e-commerce platforms, they're more sophisticated today than they've ever been before. And yes, they are an attractive target depending on what type of cyber criminal, I guess you would call them, that they are. And there are things like data breaches and other types of related incidents. But I see that more happening with the larger companies, the larger platforms. I know what happens with WordPress-based websites and WordPress-based WooCommerce platforms and things like that. But the it, we, don't, we don't really see it being targeted as often as the bigger platforms. So even though it is possible and that can happen, usually if you stay up to date, keep your software up to date, keep your plugins up to date and have a decent uh, web hosting solution, usually those risks are minimal. Yes, they'll be there, but I'm sure that no matter what type of business that you have, you have a, a similar area where there's risk of, of theft and damage and things of that nature. Now, when it comes to opportunities, we look at the SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, we get to O for opportunities. I see a lot of opportunities available to people going forward in 2023, regardless of whatever happens with the economy. Because e-commerce is only going to continue to grow in the years ahead. Online shopping will continue growing. It's getting more popular all the time. And that gives opportunities for businesses to sell an increasing number of their products and services online. Mobile commerce, which is an offshoot of e-commerce, same thing. Basically, it's the use of smartphones and tablets for online shopping. A few of my friends that used to live off of their laptops and do everything on their laptops, they're doing the same thing now, but they're doing it from a phone. So they use Amazon and they order everything on their, their Amazon app. So it's becoming more and more commonplace that the label they attach to that, although it's kind of like a subset of e-commerce, they call it mobile commerce. There's also subscription-based business models, which is another great opportunity, I think not just now, but in the years to come. Whereas if you have a software as a service that you can provide businesses, that gives you a predictable recurring revenue stream, makes it easier to retain customers. Uh, social commerce is another opportunity, I think, for those that don't want to invest in like full-blown e-commerce platforms, manage their own websites. Social media platforms are becoming more and more integrated with e-commerce, and they're providing businesses with more opportunities to reach customers, sell their products and services directly through whatever social media channel that happens to be. Plus, we have the continued growth of the online marketplaces, like I mentioned last week, the Etsy's of the world, eBay, which has been around for a long time. And again, that gives additional opportunities for businesses to reach their customers and sell their products. So there will continue to be many opportunities out there in the online space, in the digital marketplace to start a business, to make money, and to be successful. Now, when we talk about things like threats, 
We can clearly identify several potential threats for businesses selling digital products and services online in the years to come. Number one, one of the most obvious ones is increased competition. As more businesses enter the digital marketplace, competition is going to continue to increase, and that makes it harder for businesses to stand out and attract customers. It's just basic math. And this is something that's unavoidable. It's here now, and you can anticipate it increasing as we move into the future. And multitudes want a piece of the action, and, and why not? But I also believe that within those multitudes, the majority of the people will quit because building a business requires the kind of endurance that's not exactly commonplace anymore. Maybe that's a judgment call on my side of things, but I'm just telling you like I see it. Most of the popular influencers of this time have become that way because they've led people to believe that everything is easy. Everything in their marketplace is easy if you just know how to do it. Now, I will agree that the building part, the tech part, the automation part, doing all of that can be easier than ever if you have the right guidance, the right blueprint, the right roadmap. However, ongoing with any business, making customers or clients happy over time requires thinking, planning, promoting, and quite a few other things. And unfortunately, more people than you'd imagine won't have the focus to follow through on those important things. Next is regulatory changes. These are changes in regulations related to things like data privacy, consumer protection, and new compliances and requirements will be popping up potentially over the next several years that may unfortunately increase costs for businesses. Next, we have dependence on third-party platforms. Many businesses rely on third-party platforms like Amazon to sell products and services, and changes in terms of service or fees on these platforms can also have quite a negative impact on a business's bottom line revenue. Next comes things like ad blockers with privacy concerns. I said a few podcast episodes ago that I believe 47% of the people surveyed admitted that they use some type of ad blocker or combination of ad blockers to avoid seeing ads, which means that for every dollar you spend, we could conservatively say that just under 50% of the people are never going to see those ads because people are using ad blockers on their browsers. And finally, let's wrap up the threat analysis just by briefly touching on economic downturns. Now, we've faced economic challenges at this point since 2020, and that includes record inflation. It almost feels like challenges have become the norm at this point, doesn't it? Especially if you listen to the news regularly. That said, I don't feel the need to overemphasize what may or may not happen with the economy. I just look at everything as a whole, the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats as I analyze where we are here at the beginning of 2023. And hopefully, I've given you some things to think about in your own uh, planning processes as we move through the new year. Now, the biggest opportunity, talking about opportunities now from my personal vantage point, would be that we can continue to create digital products and services and sell them while maintaining a low manageable overhead as well as a healthy cash flow. Regardless of the challenges, I can't help but have an optimistic outlook for this space in 2023, as well as the years ahead. 
All right, that's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them, Facebook, Twitter, or wherever else you happen to be, or send them directly to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. You can listen to back episodes there as well. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs>